Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to search the Scriptures with us as we continue to probe Jesus' favorite theme, the subject which occupied the entirety of his ministry, namely the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. Our impression from listening to evangelistic sermons and reading tracts and so on is that most people seem to think that the Gospel consists merely of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I've heard it said even that Jesus came to do three days' work, to die and to be buried and to be raised. But you see, that omits entirely the fundamentally important aspect of Jesus' ministry, namely his teaching, his preaching of the gospel. Jesus was silent on the cross. He was silent as he emerged from the tomb. But for some three and a half years before that time, Jesus had preached the saving gospel about the kingdom. For a long time he spoke of the kingdom of God without even mentioning his death and his resurrection. Indeed, you'll find that the apostles went out to preach the good news or the gospel, the saving gospel about the kingdom, before they even recognized and understood that Jesus was going to die. Now, this must prove to any unprejudiced reader of the Bible that the gospel is more than the death and resurrection of Jesus it has to do with his saving teaching message, the saving gospel about the kingdom of God. When anyone hears that message about the kingdom, Jesus said, the devil is ready to snatch it away from our hearts so that we may not believe it and be saved. Matthew 13, verse 19, and Luke 8, verse 12. That shows that Jesus considered an intelligent reception of his gospel message about the kingdom the absolute essential for the saving process to get underway when that seed of immortality is sown in our heart as we receive the word of Messiah, the gospel about the kingdom of God. Those texts in Matthew 13:19 and Luke 8:12 provide us with a wonderful glimpse of what the devil is up to as well as instruction about what Jesus considered to be fundamental. He reckoned that the reception of the gospel of the kingdom was the basis from which Christians could bear fruit. Have you received that gospel of the kingdom of God? Many Christians seem bewildered when asked to define the kingdom, and yet it's the foundation of the Christian gospel. Kingdom of God is virtually a synonym for Christianity itself. We've been pointing out that the seventh chapter of Daniel provides a wonderful blueprint, a backbone statement for the entire drama of the Bible, the kingdom of God is the underlying theme of all of Scripture. And in Daniel chapter 7, in no less than four passages, in no less than four verses in that chapter 7 of Daniel, we find the kingdom of God is the outcome and the final denouement of God's drama, the plan that he's working out on the earth. But prior to the establishment of that kingdom, the prophecies of Daniel tell us that there will be a raging antichrist, a tyrannical figure will emerge, a little horn, a political power, who will oppose the truth, who will oppose the saints, and he will prevail against them for a period of three and a half years, described in Daniel chapter 7 as a time, two times, and half a time. It appears that in the book of Daniel, the word time signifies a year, and so for a period of three and a half years, there will be a time of unparalleled and unequaled distress in which the devil, using the tool of the Antichrist, will attempt to destroy and eliminate God's people. 
Now, another prophecy in the book of Daniel gives us a similar theme, and this one is much shorter because it encompasses a mere four verses. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24, 25, 26, and 27. Now, once again, you will recognize the same principal themes of struggle and opposition and the final vindication of the saints as they take over the kingdom of God and wrest it from the power of the Antichrist. The purpose of the famous prophecy in Daniel 9, verses 24 to 27, it's called the famous 70 weeks or 490-year prophecy because the word week there stands for a period of seven years. Actually, the Hebrew word shavuim is an indeterminate word. It means a period of seven, seven somethings. And we're not sure until we look at the context what the unit measurement is there. But it appears to be quite clear from the entirety of Daniel 9 that the proper unit of sevens there is a seven of years. And so Gabriel, the angel, provides Daniel with an extraordinarily condensed summary of what has to happen prior to the coming of the kingdom of God in the future. A period of 490 years has been marked out. In other words, 70 periods of seven years each. Now, 69 of those seven-year periods have apparently elapsed, and they take in the times and the events of the first coming of Christ to die for our sins. After the end of the 69th period of seven years, Jesus, the Messiah, was cut off, a reference, no doubt, to his crucifixion, and then the prophecy leaps to the end of the age. We know this because the end of the prophecy tells us of the ultimate destruction of the Antichrist, exactly the same theme as we previously read in the seventh chapter of Daniel. And so all of the prophecies of Daniel, the prophetic passages which describe events to happen in the end time before the establishment of the kingdom, all of them unite to give us a picture of final struggle and the ultimate resolution of the problem with the return of Jesus Christ to establish his kingdom. And so Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, is no exception to this pattern. The elements here are an evil ruler, a struggle, a destruction of the city and the sanctuary in Jerusalem, and then a final destruction of the desolating enemy. In other words, the Antichrist here is described as a desolator, one who ruins and destroys but thankfully the prophecy ends with good news because that desolating person himself is going to be desolated and destroyed forever. And so as you read the book of Daniel, which is excellent preparation for understanding the gospel of the kingdom as Jesus taught it, think of the bad news and the good news. The bad news is that there's going to be a burst of agonizing trouble under the auspices of a wicked ruler, a final anti-Christian figure, the little horn of Daniel 7, but following that time of unparalleled tribulation and distress, the kingdom of God will be established on the earth. In Daniel 9, verses 26 and 27, we find an extraordinary struggle between good and evil. It's a struggle which is destined to convulse the world just before the return of Christ to rule in his kingdom. Daniel 9, verse 26, speaks of the Messiah, whom we believe to have been Jesus of Nazareth, being cut off, a reference which has been generally taken, and correctly, we think, 
to mean Jesus' death for the sins of the world, which is, of course, already a past event. In Isaiah 53, verse 8, we read likewise of the suffering Messiah being cut off from the land of life and dying for the sins of the people. The meaning is apparently that Jesus was put to death and thus deprived of life in the promised land which was legally his, the kingdom of God to be established in that promised land in Israel one day. But by being cut off, Jesus did not receive his kingdom, the inheritance which really belonged to him as Messiah. And so the prophecy reads that he will have nothing. The New American Standard Version in Daniel 9 verse 26, he will have nothing. He's cut off without receiving the inheritance which belongs to him. And we understand this to mean that as a result of Jesus' death, he did not immediately possess what belonged to him as the Messiah, namely the kingdom of God. And now the rest of the prophecy from Daniel 9, verse 26, the second half onwards through Daniel 9, 27, describes the end-time events. We now reach the point of the prophecy which deals with that famous 70th week, the last of those periods of seven years, designated in an overall period of 490 years, of which 69 of those periods of seven years have elapsed, but we're waiting with anticipation to see what is in store in that 70th period of seven years, the one final period lasting for seven years. Now, there's an important change of subject in Daniel 9, verse 26, the second part of that verse. We read this, A prince who is to come is introduced. The people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and his end will come with a flood. Even to the end there will be war. Desolations are determined. Now that gives us an overall picture then of those final times leading up to the coming of the kingdom. War is to be characteristic of that end time. There's going to be a hostile prince who comes and he's going to destroy the city and the sanctuary. But his end... That's to say, the final demise of this wicked ruler will itself come in a kind of flood, an overwhelming judgment. War is decreed until the end of that time. And so war is the feature of the end times prior to the coming of Christ in glory. Now, this evil prince who is to come is associated with a hostile invasion. The word coming in the book of Daniel is often associated with some hostile invader. In Daniel 1, verse 1, for example, we read that Nebuchadnezzar comes to besiege Jerusalem. He comes, you note, to besiege. And in chapter 11, verses 10, 13, and 15, we read of forces of the king of the north who keep on coming and cast up a siege mound and capture a well-fortified city. And so in the case of this prince who is to come, that phrase in the 26th verse of Daniel 9, that prince who is to come is a well-known personage whose arrival to destroy the city is already known to us from other chapters in Daniel. Now, such a hostile invader, as has already appeared in Daniel chapters 7 and 8, is undoubtedly to be that final Antichrist. And so the invasion of the Holy Land is one of the great characteristics of the career of the future Antichrist. And that Antichrist here is said to be the one who is going to destroy the city and the sanctuary. 
Let me give you the order of the words here as they occur in the original Hebrew language in regard to this episode by which the evil ruler comes to destroy the city and the sanctuary. The text says, The city and the sanctuary will be destroyed by the ruler who is to come, and his end will come in the flood, and so on. It's important there to see the connection between his end and the previously mentioned prince who is to come, the evil anti-Christian ruler. It's his end that comes in this disastrous episode described here in the famous prophecy of the 490 years in Daniel 9. You see, in AD 70, there occurred a similar event. There was a destruction of the city and the sanctuary of Jerusalem by the hostile forces of the Roman Empire under Titus. But this prophecy in Daniel 9 goes beyond that event. It cannot be a prophecy of what happened in AD 70, for the very simple reason that the hostile invader in AD 70, uh, a general Titus of the Roman uh, army, he did not come to his end in that episode. But in this prophecy we read clearly that the anti-Christian figure here comes to his end. In other words, he's destroyed at the same time as he is trying to destroy Jerusalem, that's to say the city and the sanctuary. So the correct translation here is found in the margin of the New American Standard Version and in several other translations. Our time is running out for today. We would invite you to study this famous prophecy in Daniel 9 by requesting from us an article on chapter 9 of Daniel entitled Daniel's 70-Week Prophecy. We also have a book on the kingdom of God. We'd like to send that to you for your personal Bible study. Join us again for our continuing investigation of Jesus' famous topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.